Well, Kaylee, welcome to another episode of podcast. This is a little different, here. right? Yeah. New format. New format. And then we have a little outline. But I want to tell our members a few change we made. Mm -hmm. First, I am so excited to have Paige come on. Yep, me too. Right? Full-time staff, our number one full-time staff. Yep. I think it will work out well. First, first one, we have a lot of ideas, a lot of things we want to do to improve everything you know offer more to our members and having some you know fresh energy and time to dedicate to that is going to be really good and we have some new providers coming on mm -hmm. yeah new primary experts. care physician another therapist one or two more pelvic floor therapist yeah so it's going to be great hopefully another nutritionist another nutritionist mm -hmm. so new team in addition to our old experts yep. it's all good we're yeah. growing yep so Maybe we'll give away something else this time. Yeah. Stay tuned. I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think I want to hear what our lactation consultants had to say about snow. There are pluses and minuses. Mm -hmm. Since we gave away two snow. Yep. Maybe a Peloton. Yeah, that would be a good one. Peloton, I think. Yeah. I like using it. You like using it. Yeah. We should have Doc and Dula Peloton session. A little you know? club, yeah. Yeah. That would be good. I can do it. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's all about cadence, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try a little new format. I have an outline here. Um, so we'll try some new stories. Yeah. Some Q&A. And then... Some reactions to some, some videos in, yeah. the, in the news and media. And hopefully we'll have a chance to interact with members through questions. But this mm -hmm. one, let's just try this one. Yep. So the first question is all about vaccine, right. right? Yep. So when patients ask me, Dr. Chun, I had one today, I'm 12 weeks, should I get yep. the vaccine? And I say, you know what? Chances are you're more likely to die from flying bullets mm -hmm. than vaccine these days. You're more so likely to die from COVID than the vaccine. Right. <laughs> and just today, um, there was a study that came out that showed 2,100 women from mm -hmm. 18 countries mm -hmm. show that women who got COVID, symptomatic, mm -hmm. from 18 countries, 20 times more likely to experience death and complication. Yeah, that's pretty serious. That's a serious. significant number. Yep. Um, from that study, what I thought was kind of interesting was COVID positive but asymptomatic, those women did not have bad outcome. Mm -hmm. And then I'm reading here that CDC just released preliminary data. Yep. Thirty, almost thirty-six thousand people, right? Yep. And no bad outcomes. Yep. No evidence that the vaccine causes any harm. Pregnant women. I've seen a lot of questions too on Doc and Dula Facebook group about lactation and the the vaccine. And I mean, I think this is the same. Answers thing. yes. Yeah. You know, yep. I, mean, I, I mean, in Massachusetts good number of people are already vaccinated mm -hmm. and soon everyone i think 16 and over will be vaccinated yeah. i think it's the way to go so anytime before um i mean this is a good time for every patient to really speak with other pediatrician primary right. or obgyn right and we always say yes yeah. uh, i do think there are maybe one or two obgyns who say yep not yet i think yeah. Is that not true? Yeah, I, I've heard from some of my clients that they're, you know, their OB was saying for you and your risks and your lifestyle, they were recommending to wait because of the lack of data. Um, yeah. But it seems like that, that data is growing and we're learning more. And, 
it seems like it's pretty clear that the benefits of the vaccine certainly outweigh the risks. So, so can we say then Doc and Dula says get the vaccine? Get the vaccine, 100%. Pregnant, not pregnant, breastfeeding. Lactating. Both. Yeah. Everyone in the family yeah. home. I know I'm excited the fact that we're bringing a baby home in, you know, a month or so. And everyone in my family now has either gotten both doses or their first dose. And I feel a lot more relaxed knowing, like, people can meet the baby. And I don't have to worry about quarantining and testing and, and all of that kind of stuff. You know, we can be a little bit still cautious, but a little bit more relaxed of, you know, my immediate family who's allowed to hold her and meet her and, and all that kind of stuff. So makes it easier navigating that you know what else is exciting what we can have actual dinner i know party with all experts you know restaurant yeah yeah really in person yeah i was talking to a couple of them today it's we should have as soon as everyone's vaccinated yep. we should just get together yeah i mean it's nice i mean we can sit here and have this conversation without masks on because we've both I, been vaccinated for a couple months now so moving on, few questions came about um, vomiting in third trimester mm-hmm. on our on our Doc and Dula Facebook yeah. group. I mean, when someone calls me in third trimester and says, "Doctor Chun," or half of them calls me Chun, half of them calls me Bill. Hey, Bill, I'm vomiting. Oh, you are thirty some weeks and vomiting. I, mm-hmm. you know, you start with um, anyone else at home. Mm-hmm. How long have you been vomiting? Right. Uh, what color is it? Any associated symptoms and whatnot. Um, but having that connection gives me peace of mind mm-hmm. um, rather than just jumping into treatment. Yeah. But I think it starts with just talking with a doctor, right. especially if it lasts more than a few hours, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yep. Or call your doula. Yeah, and, and, you know, as a doula, sometimes people will say, I'm feeling a little nauseous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if they're near the end of their term, I might say, well, you know, Nausea can be normal as labor is approaching, but if you're actually vomiting, anytime anyone's vomiting, bleeding, leaking any fluids, anything like that as a doula, you know, first I reassure them that they're probably most likely fine, but you need to follow up with your doctor. Speak with your provider. Yeah. Tips for preparing for a C-section. Yep. So that was another question. Um, I tell patients, first of all, most scheduled C-section requires two things. One, COVID test 48 hours prior Mm -hmm. and some blood test. Yep. Um, And then, but prior to that, I just tell them kind of chill and relax. Yeah. Um, You know, enjoy a simple life. Yep. I think an important thing is starting to think about what postpartum might look like. Because with, you know, both a vaginal birth and a cesarean, you need to set up some time to recover and some support, but even more so with a C-section. People forget that it's major abdominal surgery, mm-hmm. and you come home and you're expected to take care of a newborn. And in any other instance where you're having surgery, you come home and you expect to lay on the couch and, and rest and relax and not do a whole lot. But when we have a baby, there's more that we have to do. So I, my suggestion to anyone that is preparing for a C-section is think about what that support at home is going to look like. What are things you can prepare ahead of time to make it easier on the back end? Like hiring a doula. Hiring a doula, (laughs) making sure family support is there, maybe preparing some freezer meals and snacks ahead of time. Um, 
I like to suggest if you live on two stories, setting up a little station in, mm -hmm. uh, in the downstairs where you have diapers and wipes and changes of clothes for baby and anything that you might need throughout the day to care for yourself and baby so you're not making trips up and down the stairs all day. So just think about what are things that you can prepare ahead of time to make that recovery period in the first two weeks or so as easy for yourself as possible. The other thing is many people don't realize that it's real pain. Yeah. You know, you go through um, big incision on the belly, through mm -hmm. all the layers, mm -hmm. into your uterus. Mm -hmm. And I feel like lately I'm having a hard time convincing people it's okay to take pain medication. Right. Aside yep. from Motrin, Tylenol, yep. if you were to take some oxycodone, it's okay. You can yeah. still breastfeed. Right. It's surgery. Yeah. Um, big surgery. And as you had said, preparation is everything because yeah. for the first two weeks we recommend they don't drive mm -hmm. they can't lift anything heavier than the baby right yeah. so planning ahead probably makes sense yep um i do see that most patients have pretty good support system yep. in place yep um but it's that pain it doesn't go yeah. away right away, you know? I always say to my clients, too, obviously you're following your doctor's instructions for which pain medication is appropriate for you and the dosage, but don't let the pain get ahead of you. Yeah. You want to stay ahead of the pain because it's a lot harder to catch exactly. up on it than it is to stay ahead of it. So like you said, don't be afraid. You just had surgery, and you might need something a little more than Tylenol. One good rule of thumb is if you're walking – if you're walking with funny posture, you probably didn't take enough pain medication. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to walk with a normal posture. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm not, it's not that I'm pushing narcotic, but right. I feel that many women are reluctant because they're worried about mainly breastfeeding. Right, right. Another question someone asked was, why is elevated fasting glucose an issue if post-meal is well controlled? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, this is a good time to introduce Dr. Jessica Koppelman, mm -hmm. who is primary care physician with obstetrical background. She will be joining us doing some Facebook mm -hmm. Live. I really liked her answer to this one. Yep. Um, um, it's very simple. I mean, when you fasted, you expect your sugar to be lower right. than after you've eaten. Right. What we are really looking for is, is the mother's glucose on the reasonable control right so you know it's not just one or the other it's fasting it's an hour i mean i use an hour some people mm -hmm. use two hour after meal yeah to see if the numbers are either yeah. 140 or less or two hours 120 or less yep we're trying to see throughout the entire day except the time you're asleep what is the sugar control like right and the question becomes why is it important mm -hmm. if sugar is high if mother's sugar is high then baby's sugar is high, mm -hmm. baby's insulin is high. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that it causes more consumption of oxygen. Mm -hmm. Simple. Yep. Um, so uncontrolled diabetes, especially on medication, are at increased risk of stillbirth. Mm -hmm. So depending on how good sugar control is, these patients may be seen every, I mean, twice every, as of 32 weeks, mm -hmm. sometimes 34. But... And I was talking to our um, registered dietitian, Leslie, mm -hmm. our gestation diabetes expert. Mm -hmm. I liked her too. We have all these new people. She's awesome. You know? Yeah, we hope she comes on board. She, I think she will. And, and the neat thing is we went to same high school, <laughs> same undergrad in Ohio. Yeah. 
I mean, how small, I mean, it's, yeah. we were talking about Ohio a lot because we went to the same high school. Yeah. Wow, wow, this is exciting. But she brought up a good point in that so many people are not ready to get pregnant. Yep. And then they get pregnant. And they want to know, how do we fix this? Right. The point is, you get pregnant when things are in order. Mm-hmm. But that being said, gestational diabetes is real. Yep. I think especially with the pandemic, numbers have gone up. Yep. And I think for our members, Leslie is a great resource. She's amazing. Uh, Allegra is another resource. Yep. And the one thing I would tell all our patients, especially if they're checking their finger stick, consistency. Mm-hmm. You want to eat at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you're taking medication or um, by mouth or insulin, mm-hmm. about the same time. Yep. That is so important. Yeah. This is my third pregnancy with gestational mm-hmm. diabetes. Um, my first was completely diet controlled. My second, I did have to go on insulin. And my this is the third so far. Knock on wood. Diet, thank you, Leslie. Diet controlled. Thank you, Leslie. Go back, guys. Um, I will say that the fasting is the hardest to control. Yep. You know, it's pretty easy to get your post meal number mm-hmm. where it needs to be. I mean, it's you eat less carbs, but then that always affects your fasting because right. if you don't eat enough carbs, then you're spiking after meals. So really learning how to eat balanced meals and what the right carbs to eat are is really overwhelming when you first get diagnosed. But when you team up with someone like Leslie that knows how to make that manageable and approachable for you, it makes a huge, huge difference. My last pregnancy, my fasting was what I had trouble with. And the fasting's hard because there's not a whole lot you can do to control that one. Um, There are things, but sometimes it just becomes the hormones, just you can't control it. Um, But a lot of things that I thought would help weren't helping. It was actually making it worse. Yeah. So I was barely eating any carbs. I was really, really low carb at my meals. Um, my bedtime snack, I was eating these protein shakes that were like three carbs in them and all protein, but had all these like artificial mm. sweeteners. And I started working with Leslie and I learned how to eat. I have a lot more flexibility, mm. a lot more freedom and more confidence. And I just feel better. Cause when your blood sugar is in your trying, and your blood sugar is out of control. It's depressing. It makes you feel like crap. You know, in addition to that, you are more likely to develop diabetes Type later two. on. I think it's like a 50 to 70% increase, correct? So, yes. So this is a time to really understand, yep. use something for now and something for later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is where I, I would tell people, pregnancy is great. <laughs> the end result. The end result's great. But it's a huge health risk. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. It's very, very so hard. So for those of you who are thinking of getting pregnant, yep. I would say think really hard mm-hmm. and also get into the best shape yep. before you take on this yeah. task. And understand <laughs> your health risks too because, I mean, for me, especially with my first pregnancy, I was at a very, very healthy weight. I didn't gain a ton of weight during my pregnancy, but I have a genetic predisposition to it. And now I didn't know that with my first pregnancy, but now with my third pregnancy, I knew going into this that I was going to get gestational diabetes again. I knew that I had had it in the past. I knew I had these risk factors because both of my maternal grandparents are type two diabetics. You know, I have a family history of gestational diabetes. So the minute I got pregnant, my diet immediately was changed and was 
reflective of one that was going to be healthier for gestational diabetes. And because of that, I haven't had to go on insulin this time. I've gained not a whole lot of weight, and it's made it much, much easier to control and manage. So mentally going into it prepared and knowing that that was going to be a thing and having that plan, I think, has made this pregnancy much, much easier than the previous ones. So wrapping up gestational diabetes for the mother, we talk about, um, you know, obesity plus gestational diabetes, which often go hands in hand, mm -hmm. increases the risk of complication, yep. right? Pregnancy-induced hypertension. Mm -hmm. And then there's induction, which yep. we talk about depending on how good the control is. Right. And for the baby, we talk about how big the baby can be, especially mm -hmm. the shoulder, yep. and increased stillbirth. Mm -hmm. So this is a serious condition yep. that people must really consider. Right, and also hypoglycemia for the baby after yeah. they're born, yeah. making sure their blood sugar is good. You know, I want to talk about this Laura Cleary <laughs> video. I don't know who she is, but apparently she's very famous. Yes, she's a, she's a YouTube star. And her birth video has kind of had some buzz surrounding it mm -hmm. in the past um, couple of weeks. So it's it, very fitting, though. Yeah. They have to make a decision. Husband is going to make a decision next time. <laughs> Are they going to choose Doc or Doula? Yes. So I hate this video because I think it represents doulas in a really bad way. Bottom line is she had a bad doula. Well, that is true. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we know plenty of good doulas. Right. And there are some bad doulas. Yeah. And I talk about, as an outsider, my observation for the past few years, there is no single organization makes you accountable. Right. There is no single certification process. Mm -hmm. There, it's anything from few weeks to months to weekend yep. course or something. Yep. And then you can have a fancy website yep. and charge good amount of money not versus somebody who's yep. legit, no website, and then maybe a lot less and be an amazing doula. Right. And each organization has their own motives and tenants and things that they train you on. So while some organizations are going to be more business-focused and really focusing on you know, having positive relationships with the providers and, and hammering home that, that you're non-clinical and you're not giving clinical advices, there will also be other organizations that portray you as this advocate that needs to, you know, or, or maybe the organizations don't do this, but a lot of the doulas come away with this attitude of they need to save women or they need to save them from the providers or they need to advocate for them rather than helping them advocate for themselves. I think that can be done. Yeah. But, um, I mean, what, last week someone said, how could doulas work with docs? There's yeah. a conflict of interest. And I want to tell that person, only way this profession is going to be in the mainstream mm -hmm. is with doctors, nurses, mm -hmm. and other professionals who say, wow, doulas are all that. Yeah. And I don't know why we have to fight. Yeah. Right? I think the important thing is as a doula, when you start working with this person, is you help them examine their feelings and make sure that they feel comfortable with their provider. And if they feel comfortable with their provider and they're happy with the care that they're getting, then that's all that matters because this isn't my birth experience as a doula. I don't get to decide what level of risk that I'm comfortable with for them and their child. 
all that I need to know is do you feel comfortable with your provider and do you feel like you have a good relationship with them and do you feel supported in whatever decisions you're making and if the answer to those are yes I don't care if you want to give birth dangling from your feet on the ceiling or if you want to whatever you want to do it's not my birth so in this video this particular doula said Mm -hmm. this the patient is 36 weeks and few days. Yep. Ruptured membrane. Mm-hmm. 18 hours. She mentioned probably she longer. Know, really. And the doula says, "What did she say? Castor oil and echinacea and yeah. probiotic." Yeah. So I, I mean, I think the first issue is just the energy that the mm-hmm. doula is giving off. She calls. She sounded her, like she was 18. <laughs> yeah. Well, she injects this like feeling of panic because she. She calls her and says, this is what's going on. And the doula just starts by an expletive. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get, you know, censored here, but she starts with an expletive. And already that's setting, like, the conversation off on the wrong foot. Like, she's injecting her emotions into this. Where, who knows, maybe this Laura woman is excited. She's like, hey, I'm three centimeters. and yeah. Which we know from the video that she's not. But the doula doesn't know that because she's just answering the phone and hearing this. So she's already setting the tone for the conversation. And then she's telling her, the do- Laura is saying, my doctor says that I am at a, the baby's at an increased risk for infection. And the doula says, well, she's not. That's not true. So she's actively telling her that her doctor's wrong, giving her misinformation, which we know is, is not true. After your, your membranes release, that rate of infection does start to increase after a certain period of time. And then she's telling her she doesn't have to go to the hospital. She's then telling her to take an echinacea probiotic, which is, you know, as a doula, I'm never going to tell anyone to take any medication. And then telling her to induce with castor oil, which we know is is not without risk. So. I just want to know how, through what, she got certified and if she's gotten a lot more clients because of this video. Yeah, hopefully right? not. Hopefully not. But... Um, I mean, that is like an extremely bad mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah. And I don't think I've, mm-hmm. I've had my overall experience with doula is very positive mm-hmm. other than a few bad ones. But even those bad ones, it wasn't this bad. Yeah. This no. is like off the chart bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the big PSA from this is if your doula is telling you to go against medical advice and your doula is giving you instructions to take any sort of medication or anything like that in direct conflict with what your doctor is saying, you don't have a good doula. You need to find someone else because that's out of scope. We are non-medical. Maybe this doula did this for pro bono because (laughs) she wanted to be on this person's YouTube and, you know, she wanted to be whatever. But I think you made all the great points. Um, and I, and I believe in this country where there's a shortage of OBs, mm-hmm. shortage of midwives, and there's only two ways of improving care, mm-hmm. better education for the public and more doulas. But doulas really, I mean, if my daughter says, Dad, I want to be a doula, mm-hmm. okay, honey, do you go take Dona, Produla, there's a Kappa? Yep. Or there are like there's 30 hundred, others. There's hundreds of others. And there are some that are really great. And there are some that 
are good but have some areas that you know could have some improvement so i think it's important if you want to become a doula to really research who that training organization is what is included in the training talk to other people that have gone through the training um but i think as a doula you before you get into this field you need to have an understanding of exactly what the role of the doula is and that is to support the birthing person no matter what their decision is it's not to be an advocate for them it is to empower women to advocate for themselves because these are grown women that are hiring you they're paying you they're hiring you to do this you don't need to go in there and teach them you know, you need to be there to answer their questions. You need to have that education, but you don't need to save them. You don't need to, you know, advocate on their behalf. You need to make sure that they feel supported, they feel comfortable asking questions, and that they feel empowered to advocate for themselves. Especially now with lack of adequate manpower, and mm-hmm. I, I see how valuable Odula mm-hmm. can be. Yeah. And they can do everything you said, just said. Yep without pissing off doctors right. or nurses. Yeah. You know, but as soon as you come in and if a patient asks a question, if the doula answers their quest- clinical question first, I'm going, oh, no, she just didn't. <laughs> or telling nurse this or that or trying to, you know, readjust the strap or something right. because I've seen those. Yeah. So I, you can really do well, get paid, and make sure the image of doula is all that. Yeah. And... I want to tell those doulas who are not happy with doc and doula <laughs> that we are on the same team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even if we really combine all of our efforts, this is going to be a huge task. Right. We are so far away from doula being in the mainstream. Yeah. Right? And I, I think an important thing, too, is as the doula, if that person, that client is going to a provider that they don't feel comfortable with, they don't feel respected by, they don't feel like when they get into that birth room, they're gonna have this positive experience and they feel like they're gonna need someone there to you know, advocate for them. Your work starts way before that mm. birth room. Your work starts during that prenatal period where you help them examine those feelings and you help them find a provider that and help them know that it's okay to switch providers, yeah. it's okay to shop around and help them find a provider that they do feel comfortable with. And I know in, in other parts of the country, it's limited in terms of access to providers, but in the area where we live in, in Boston, there are hundreds of OB providers, literally, yeah. literally hundreds of options. So if you have someone that you don't feel comfortable with and you feel like when you go to give birth, you're, you're getting ready for battle, you need to switch and you're as a doula you can help your client to do that rather than fighting in that birth room because i have found and i have seen from my experience when you get along well with the medical staff your client is going to have a better experience oh yeah it's it's i mean i mean i had two deliveries today and i've seen them their entire pregnancy mm-hmm. and it just so relaxed everyone's happy yeah. outcome is good and one of them took your hypnobirthing class and she came in when she was seven centimeters awesome. and and you know what i knew that's how she would be because she was prepared yep 
I mean, she didn't have you as a doula, but she was prepared for this. We spent a lot of time together yeah. in hypnobirthing. Yeah. Yeah. And then entire labor and delivery was all positive. Mm-hmm. Nurses were happy. Nurses' aides were happy. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Versus feeling tension. Right. And when there's tension, your body reacts hormonally. Yeah. And when your body is stressed and there's tension or you feel defensive, those hormones inhibit the birth process. That's a lot of what we talk about in hypnobirthing. So you don't want those those stress hormones in the birth room. You want those happy, like everyone's getting along, we're all on the same team. That's going to help that process go smoother. I mean, I think for doulas, if there's one advice I have is if there's ever a time where one feels like I'm saying something or doing something that is not appropriate, mm-hmm. It would really go far if you just grab me and say, hey, Bill, can I just talk to you for a second? Yeah. Privately. Yep. Not in front of the patient, mm-hmm. not in front of the nurse. And then we'll have a discussion. Right. I will either agree or disagree mm-hmm. rather than making like, you know. Tension saying, in the room. Right. Yeah. So and then right away that is done mm-hmm. until the nurse goes in 12 hours. Mm-hmm. The whole environment is negative. Too much yeah. tension. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that comes from the ones I, because, you know, every time I have a patient who had a doula, mm-hmm. we always talk about like almost like a debrief. Right. And say, how was it then? And, mm-hmm. and last year, it was almost like 50-50. Half of them were really good. The other half really sucked. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, well, your doula sucked. Yeah. You know, how much you pay? Whoa, that much. Wow. You know. Didn't she leave when you were fully dilated and you paid that much? Because that happened, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think there are a lot of ways to improve the relationship with medical professionals, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. that would only help them. Yeah. You know? And it's only going to help you as a doula, too. I mean, speaking, it makes my job easier yeah. when I'm in that birth room and, and I you know, have earned the respect of the doctors and in the nurses and it's not at the expense of my client it's not like i'm you know ignoring that person's needs or kind of just agreeing with the medical staff to agree with them you know it's legitimately i've had doctors where i've had really negative experiences with and it hasn't been a positive birth experience but i'm not going to openly disrespect that yeah. doctor i you know i'm going to help my client to find the words to advocate for herself and understand what her options are but I'm never going to be the one that's, you know, putting up the fight in in the birth room because right. it's not good for the client. It's not good for the medical staff. And, it's not good for me. And you're not going to win. And I'm not going to. Right. You're it's not, it's not worth it. No. But from a business standpoint, too, like when you have the respect of doctors because you have a positive working relationship, it's where a lot of referrals come from. And, and, you know, like a lot of my patients have doula. So my colleagues are asking, hey, can you tell me some doulas? Because my patient, I think. She could use it. Yeah. So that's starting to happen. So I think we have to work together. And mm-hmm. and in recent, we had some negative energy after last conference. And I want to, if anyone ever listens to this podcast, <laughs> I want to tell those doulas, let's maybe just get together and talk about what you think yeah. that we did wrong or not supporting. We should be able to talk about it. Yeah. And we just need to agree maybe 70, 80%. We don't yeah. need to agree on everything. Yeah. But I, I think it doesn't serve the profession well, 
by having any division. Right, right. We're all on the same team. We want the best for these clients, these birthing families. We want them to have a positive experience. We want them to be safe and healthy. Um, so let's work together. <laughs> let's finish our podcast by talking about our 100 Birth Doula Project. Yeah. Because we're going to make this into a nonprofit. Very exciting. Right? Yep. And then, I mean, I was talking to my daughter because she's an MPH student. I said, do you have any uh, cheap or free labor? <laughs> Anyone who could offer some time? Um, but I think we will have a very well-represented board from mm-hmm. entire country. Yep. That's a goal and, of ours. Yeah. And we're going to do this. And, and I'm glad that we're separating the two yeah. from Doc and Dula and a nonprofit. Right. And many women will be well served in time. Right. Yep. Because we know the research shows that having that continuous support improves outcomes. And we know that there's a lot of brokenness in the system, in our maternity system in the United States. So hopefully by combining, you know, that we see the problem and, and hopefully this can be a solution to at least make some improvement on that and help help people that really need it. I want to tell some people that I'm just, you know, relaying the message to those <laughs> who have some misunderstanding about our Doc and Doula project. We didn't really start out with clear mission. No. It was just simple Facebook trying to help women, right? Right. And it got bigger. And when asked, well, we're not well represented, we don't have um, diversity or more experts and whatnot, it's just, we're just getting started. Yeah. So if you want to... We want that. Yeah. If you want to be a part, then just join and... Yeah. Rather than saying, you know, you don't have enough diversity. Well, heck, we're just getting started. Yeah. Join join the game that we're trying to really expand. Um, but we want every person, whatever their race, religion, their sexuality, ho- however they identify, we want them to be able to come to this group to feel welcome and to feel supported. Yeah. And I think that's the bottom line. And I think, you know, We've, we're heading in a really positive direction. We're bringing on, like you said, our first full-time employee that's going to help us and you know get this clear vision to move forward to find these people that are going to make our board, you know, more diverse. Have you know not just you know the people themselves, but their areas of expertise, what they can offer to our members. So I think only really positive things are ahead for Doc and Doula. You know, I like this new format. Yeah, I think you it's know? good. We should do it this way. And yeah. then somehow we got to let members know that we'll take questions. Right, yeah. So this week I kind of just went through our Doc and Doula Facebook page and looked at what were some of the questions that got, you know, some responses. But going forward, having a place for people to put questions that they want to hear us discuss in this format um, would be great. Also, they can message either you or or, my, or myself. I get these random messages <laughs> from people I don't even know, <laughs> you know. But there's it's available. Yeah. Um, so let's try to keep our members updated with the latest information. Yep. And Some good changes coming. So yes. stay tuned. And I want to tell all doulas, this is really for you. Yeah. I mean, we're pr- promoting doula profession, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. And during the time of pandemic, yeah, I think many of you have been busier than ever. Yeah. I mean, I think the important thing is Doc and Doula sees the importance and the role 
for doulas in this space, in the birthing world. So work together. Let's make it work. So until next time. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Does this work, Mike? This work? I actually like it. Yeah? Okay. I think it's good. I think we had I'm a lot. I'm just getting used to the 